Welcome in Memphis Grizzly fans and NBA fans all around. This is Elijah Campbell and you are listening to the Grizz and Grind podcast on the Hoop Heads Podcast Network. Hey, hoop heads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com, spelled A-R-Y-S-E, and use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E.com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. Welcome into another episode of the Grizz and Grind podcast here on the Hoop Heads Podcast Network. It's me, your boy, Elijah Campbell here for another fun episode talking a little bit of Memphis Grizzlies basketball. Last couple episodes, we got into the draft, we got into some Grizzlies offseason talk, and now we're going to go down memory lane, take a nice trip down memory lane, and we're going to do it draft style. So here today, joining me on this esteemed program, Zach White. Zach from the Barn Burner at the Barn Burner on Twitter and Grizz Lead, Grizz underscore lead on Twitter um, is joining me today. Zach, thanks for joining the show, and I hope you know the weirdness that you're getting into, and I hope you're prepared. Hey, Elijah, thanks for having me on, and yeah, let's let's get to it. Yeah, absolutely. So what we're going to be doing today is, I thought of this yesterday, came up with it, we're going to be drafting teams, Zach and I drafting two teams we'll be drafting at least our starting fives here um on air of our best and favorite mostly favorite grizzlies bench players of all times and when i say bench players i'll go ahead and lay out the parameters these are players that have played in memphis for the grizzlies or in vancouver i'm allowing vancouver grizzlies to be part of this too it's all the same franchise and if as long as they're a player that has started less than 10 games or 10 games or less i should say I will count 10, uh, 10 game starters in specific seasons. There, uh, there's no duplicates. So the one player that you draft, you pick your best season of that bench player, a season that qualifies. And we will go ahead, make those teams, put them in the What If Sports draft simulator. Whatifsports.com is my favorite sports simulation website. I've been messing around on that since I was a kid. We'll play a couple of games, post it on our Twitter. Um, the Grizz and Grind uh, Twitter page. And we're just going to have a little bit of fun with it. Take a trip down memory lane, talk about some of our favorite Grizzlies bench players, drafting up squads of what those what that would look like. And I've always been curious as to what this would look like. Zach, I'll go ahead and let you take the first pick. I'm a gentleman. You are the guest on my show. I'll let you have the first pick. But first things first, when you were researching for this, what were a few things that stood out to you? So a few things that I noticed were a lot of the guys that you think of as perennial starters, they had Mm -hmm. several seasons where they fell into the category, whether it be injury or they were maybe Mm -hmm. aging out and they were kind of on the back end of their career or they could have been on the front end and weren't entirely trusted by the coaching staff just yet. And they were 
kind of earning their minutes, earning their run, um, but just kind of seeing a variety of that. Then obviously you have your guys who, you know, never saw the starting lineup. And a lot of Memphis, mm-hmm. the starting lineup was pretty consistent through the good years, at least. So uh, it was kind of fun to see when those guys made their way into the in and out of the starting lineup over the course of their career. Yeah, and my, my favorite thing is personally, I noticed a lot of journeymen, a lot of journeymen that I would look and just see their names and, and quite frankly start laughing. Just because, I mean, they're, they're just guys that just blend in and they have no real significance, I guess, in the grand scheme of the NBA, but play decent roles on some good teams. We've, we've seen are plenty of good Memphis Grizzlies teams, great Memphis Grizzlies teams, and some really, really bad ones. That's one of my favorite things about this franchise is that there is a nice spectrum of different types of teams to choose from. And a lot of these role players are role players that were key to winning a couple of games or stealing a couple of games. Some of these players were draft picks that didn't pan out. So guys like OJ Mayo, who might be coming up on our draft boards, either or we'll find out. Um, have our guys that were end up having to settle for playing bench roles. Hashim's the beat for a couple of seasons may or may not have been eligible. I don't know if either of us will dare to go there, but he is definitely on the table. There were a couple of seasons where he didn't start more than 10 games. So I'll go ahead and let you start, Zach. Zach, you'll be on the clock. First overall, which Memphis Grizzlies bench player are you taking? All right, I'm digging back all the way to 2016, 2017, and I'm going to pick up a 35-year-old Zach Randolph. Played in 73 Ah. games that season, but only started in five of them. Averaged 24 minutes a game, 14 points, and eight boards per game. That's the Zebo. He's going to be the foundation for my bench roster. I like it, and that's honestly that was um, the first the first person I would have picked too. Um, looking back through this, it's really if if when I first mentioned this whole uh, project in my mind, I wouldn't have expected to see Zach Randolph at any stage being uh, available, really. Um, and because obviously he's probably the most beloved Memphis Grizzly of all time, you can certainly make that argument. Him, Marcus All, Mike Conley. I mean, you can definitely make that argument. He's one of the most beloved and one of the, um, honestly one of the best. And that year specifically, though, only played 24 minutes a game. Like you said, 14 and 8, an 18 and a half PER. And per 36 minutes, he's scoring about 21 points and grabbing 12 boards. Um, wasn't his most efficient season, but we love him anyway because of his heart and his, uh, I guess, the way he epitomizes the grit and grind concept that the Memphis Grizzlies franchise has been known for. And a very, just a very lovable character, too. And an interesting thing that I saw about that Zach Randolph, because he's number one on my big board, too. I think if you take a look at all the players that would be eligible for this list, he's got to be number one, um, mostly because of who he is and the production he had coming off the bench. But he grabbed 11% of these offensive rebound opportunities, which is really solid. I mean, that's going to win you a lot of games. It's going to erase a lot of your team's mistakes. But I like taking Zach Randolph there uh, for number one. Number two, so my first pick here, I want to keep it recent. I'll keep it really recent and he's one of my favorite players on this year's team. I'll take Brandon Clark from this year. Yeah, uh, one of my favorite rookies coming out of the draft last year. I've said it on the show several times and I thought he was just the steal of the draft. The fact that he fell as late as he did is almost blasphemy and I think it's proof too that the NBA 
kind of values age a little bit too much. I mean, the difference between a 22-year-old with really good habits and really good numbers is not viewed anywhere near the same as a 19-year-old who might have some serious red flags, but they have, but they tag them with this tag of having a high ceiling and taking risk on guys like that instead of what might be a more sure thing or someone who you know who they are already is one of the sillier things in the NBA draft that I feel like NBA GMs fall for year after year after year. And with what the, the Grizzlies got with Brandon Clark this year was someone who is incredibly efficient, shoots really well around the rim, has one of the most beautiful floaters I've ever seen of any team in um, or of any uh, player in the NBA, especially coming out of college. Had a 21, almost a 21 PER and is actually second on this Grizzlies team in win shares and was first in win shares per 48 minutes. 66% true shooter. Like I said, he's just incredibly efficient. Um, he was an all, all, robbed of a spot as a finalist for Rookie of the Year. I, I thought he had a much better year than Kendrick Nunn. And he's going to be a piece for this team for a while, I believe. I'm a huge Brandon Clark fan. Love the out of Gonzaga. And if you take Zebo, I think I got to match Zebo up with someone who I think can score on him. Um, and if I can get him a good point guard, I like the uh, the one-two combo that I'll have. But I got to go with Brandon Clark. Call it, it might be some recency bias, but honestly, I think there should have been more talk of Brandon Clark in the six-man-of-the-year conversation because he's honestly right now in the NBA, I'd say one of the most like six or seven top like reliable bench players in the league at the moment. Yeah, I had him at number two also. And uh, I, seeing a Brandon Clark Zebo matchup, like an actual person, would be fascinating. Just because oh, one yeah. is so much more athletic and springy than the other. But Zebo has always been savvy ever since he mm-hmm. was a Grizzly. So that would definitely be a conflicting styles and very, very curious to see how that would be. Yeah, he's got to be. And, and two different ty- types of players, too, because Brandon Clark is freakishly athletic. I mean, the guy does have an incredible vertical. He's a much better athlete. He plays a little more above the rim than Zach Randolph does, but that's also the appeal of Zach Randolph. Like one of my favorite things about the guy is that he can't jump over a pencil with a trampoline, but is still able to get you, I mean, 14 points, eight rebounds in limited minutes because he has a great mid-range jumper. Uh, he's incredibly physical and he'll just bully defenders and he'll wear them out as the game goes on. Kind of like the same way a Derrick Henry style Tennessee Titans running back does throughout the course of three whole quarters. I mean, you just wear somebody down and at late in the game, it's a lot harder to guard when you're having to guard that guy again. There's a reason Blake Griffin wanted no part of Zach Randolph year in and year out of the NBA playoffs because he was just too physical. And Brandon Clark and Brandon and Blake Griffin do have some physical similarities. Not saying Clark is the same type of athlete Blake Griffin was, but they do play similar styles, except I would say Clark maybe has a little bit better of a floater. So it's an interesting matchup of styles. Styles make fights, nice old boxing term. But I'll go ahead, Zach, and give you the uh, floor for pick number three. Who are you pairing with one Zach Randolph? All right. So I'm going to I'm gonna go back. I'm going to pick up a future all-star in Kyle oh. Lowry. 07, 08 oh, Kyle man. Lowry. Age 21. Mm-hmm. Played in all 82 games. Only started nine. So he squeaked in there with our uh, qualifications. Yep. And only 25 minutes per game, put up almost 10 points and three and a half assists. Did not shoot very well from three, but uh, that's not why I'm picking him up. That. This <laughs> that's not yeah. why I'm adding him to this <laughs> roster. So, someone's got to feed Zebo, who even when he was coming off the bench in 16-17 was third on the team in field goal attempts. So, so someone's got to get the big man the ball and let him eat. And I think Kyle that's Lowry true. is the man for the job. 
And Kyle Lowry, solid defensive player, always has been. You're going to get charges from him. And honestly, like I like Kyle Lowry the same way I like Zach Randolph. But in terms of like their career trajectory, I've loved Kyle Lowry's almost as much as any other player. And honestly, I was probably as happy for him winning a title last year for the Raptors than I was for anybody else because of the type of style of play that he really embodies. He takes a lot of charges. He does a lot of the dirty work. And that's stuff he's done over the course of his career. Kyle Lowry has never not done those things, especially that's dating back to his days at Villanova. The guy's always done the little things to win games, solid defensively, hustles. Um, and you were, you were right. Uh, he was a horrendous three-point shooter. I think he's about 25%. But, I mean, per 36 minutes, he only turned the ball over 2.2 times. I want to say he had about seven assists per 36 minutes. And with a true shooting of 53.1%, he definitely was uh, a little more efficient than um, what I uh, what I remember when he actually was able to play uh, before he was eventually able to get settled in Toronto. So I love the Kyle Lowry pick right there. And to this day, he's still on the top 10 or so favorite players in the NBA, but this is Kyle Lowry before Kyle Lowry became Kyle Lowry. I'm going to, oof, for pick number four, it's going to be difficult, but I got to go, as I want to get a point guard, I got to give Brandon Clark a pick and roll match or teammate here, but I want to go Mike Miller in 23-2014 because I need shooting. Um, I'll go ahead and take the the best bench shooter the Grizzlies have had of all time. Mike Miller in 2013-2014 was about 45.9% from three on almost three attempts a game. But per 100 possessions, that's about seven attempts. Scores about 12 points per 36 minutes and was a 61.9% true shooter. Uh, you got to have got to have a lot of three-point shooting to win in today's NBA. Uh, I don't know if the simulation really takes into account today's NBA, but I love three-point shooting. I love the style there. I got to go Mike Miller. I got to go uh, former Memphis basketball assistant coach Mike Miller as well. Great recruiter, great three-point shooter. I got I got to go Mike here. So is Mike off the board? His other years, are those off the board for me in this? Yes. Uh, okay. All right. Let's yeah. see. We'll limit the duplicates. All right. Let me see. Um, I'm going to go... I'm gonna get. I'm gonna go with the dual point guard system here. I like. Ooh. I like having a lot of ball handlers. So what Very I'm gonna do Billy is. Billy Donovan. I'm gonna you, take yeah. Tyus Jones from this season. Oh, nice. Okay. Okay. Gonna gonna go ahead and take him off the board. Let me pull him up real quick. Love Tyus Jones, honestly. And I've talked about this on the show before that Tyus Jones not being there in the bubble, I think cost them a game or two. I mean, uh, yeah. Uh, I, I think, that's one yeah. thing for Memphis is that they've had such a hard time finding a backup point guard. You think when, mm-hmm. I mean, you have Andrew Harrison carrying a lot of backup point guard minutes in playoff yeah. series. That's just a recipe for disaster. You, you're not going to win games mm-hmm. like that. Having that, that primary ball handler come off the bench is just so crucial. And he really does elevate this team to, you know, a half step above their potential without him. So I've been really impressed with Tyus. He did a lot in very little time. He played a lot of games, uh, averaged a little bit over seven points, but nearly four and a half assists, not even playing 20 minutes. And, you know, solid from three-point range, almost 38%. Mm -hmm. So uh, he's not even bad on the defensive end. He's he In advanced metrics, he's actually one of the better defenders uh, out on the wings for Memphis. So... I'm really glad that Tyus is a part of the Grizzlies family, hopefully for a while going forward. 
I think so too. I think he fits the team really well because I mean he's not like he's that old. I mean he's. He's 23. Yeah, yeah, he's 23. I mean, this guy, and he's going to be considered one of the veterans on this team because it's a very, very young team. If you're able to keep him for a while, he plays a good leadership role. And even going back to his days at Duke, I mean, the guy is a tough shot maker. He takes a lot of tough shots. He makes even tougher shots. And, I mean, every time I think of Tyus Jones, I think of the shot that he hit to beat Wisconsin um, in the national championship game. And by beat, I mean they – brought him up like what seven points there at maybe four in the last minute and he hits a, like a deep three from straight away i mean the guy's not afraid of the moment and like i say a very underrated defender and i like how the uh, the metrics really back that up defensively uh he's a tough physical defender and that's kind of the player that's the perfect kind of player you want to be a backup point guard like d'anthony melton don't love d'anthony melton i thought tyus jones if he would have been in that place and got uh the position or was healthy enough to be in the position to be the backup point guard, I think the Grizzlies would have been much better off. But so Tyus Jones off at number five. This is where it gets tough. I do not have a point guard, but I'm snagging I'm, them all off the board. That's why. That's right. Yeah, is I have Tyus Jones on my board too? Uh, that's a that is a a solid one. I'm going to go with someone who surprised me in turn, not because his his numbers were just mind blowingly good. But he was solid, and he was solid in big games too, especially playoff games. I'm going to go with Jared Bayless, specifically 2012-2013 <laughs> Jared Bayless, former yeah. Arizona great Jared Bayless. Um, his numbers, when you just look at it, they're not eye-popping. He's 8.7 point per game guy on 22 minutes. Uh, but his shooting splits were fine. I mean, 41% field goal is a little low with 35, and then 83.6 from uh, the free throw line. Per 36, he's given you 14 points, almost four boards, and five assists. Um, and a true shooting in total, 51.4. So he's not incredibly efficient, but he's going to be good enough. And there was actually one game that year that they stole a game from Boston on the road where he had 30 points off the bench and in a really efficient shooting effort. He was a veteran guy. He played big playoff minutes. There's not a lot of great point guards on the board, but I'm going to take one out of need here. Um, Jared Bayless is one of those guys you just kind of forget about. And he's a classic journeyman that I alluded to earlier in the show that there's a, like the Grizzlies bench has been obviously flooded with these and you can probably go to any franchise and just look at bench players. And you're gonna be flooded with journeyman players, but Jared Bayless has played for a couple playoff teams. He played for this team. He went, uh, I want to say he played for the Bucks playoff team in about 2013, 14 or a year or two later. Um, he went to the playoffs with the Milwaukee Bucks. I think that uh, 15-16, I think, might have been that team, or 2014-15. But Jared Bayless has played on a couple playoff teams as the backup point guard. Um, there is a little bit of Tyus Jones. I think Tyus Jones is a better defender. But I'm going to take Jared Bayless, which might be the first time I've ever had that sentence come out of my mouth in my life. So Jared Bayless uh, off the board at number six here. I think that's a pretty good pick, actually. I was, I was looking at trying to cop him next, so... Uh, I don't appreciate that, but uh, for for <laughs> me, I'm gonna drafts, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna go. I think I need a little bit more scoring on this team. Uh, I know Zebo's gonna get some buckets, but what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna get OJ Mayo from 2011, oh, 2012. Nice. Uh, mm-hmm. Can soak up some good minutes for me, and that season he averaged 12 and a half points a game. Uh, I, I think that's just gonna be really helpful for this group. He might have to. Scoot over to the small forward position, but I'm assuming mm. we're playing in 
today's modern era, so the position doesn't matter quite as much. All four so positional basketball in this program. Oh, which yeah. which um, apparently, according to Basketball Reference, his one of his nicknames is Grocery List. Don't know oh my God, how yes. accurate that no, is. I totally forgot that was a thing until I had no months idea. ago. Yeah, because uh, I remember listening to it on a uh, on another podcast where someone mentioned that that was a nickname of his, which a I've never heard of. And if no one's heard of that nickname, it's not a great nickname. But however, when your name is OJ Mayo, then the grocery list is an appropriate nickname. Um, that is an incredible nickname. But of all the guys on my big board, it might be number two. Just might, but that's incredible though. I love it. I love the grocery list as a nickname. That's great. But I like the O.J. Mayo pick, too. In terms of as a player, we can make fun of his name all day. But uh, number one, one of the best high school basketball players I ever remember seeing. And I'm a little disappointed of how his career turned out in the NBA. But spectacular high school player, leaps and bounds above everybody else he played with. That year specifically, that was there in the lockout shortened season. So they only played 66 games. He played in all of them but with a perfect zero starts, which is what I'm looking for here. The less starts, the better. You fit the criteria a little better. Uh, almost averaged 17 points per 36 minutes, and his shooting wasn't bad. He was a 36% three-point shooter. Um, by all means, was a solid, efficient scorer off the bench. He was about at a league average 14.7 PER, but uh, I like that, though. So you got a, a backcourt consisting of the grocery list, Tyus Jones, and... Uh, who Kyle, was that Lowry. First one? Kyle Lowry. Yeah. Wow. There are so many charges being taken in that and a lot of shots being taken as well. Yeah. I like it. So that, that's a solid opener uh, to go with um, with all those guys, too. I'll go ahead and mark down OJ Mayo here. And speaking of OJ Mayo, too, the most unfortunate part about him was he's always going to be remembered as the guy he was traded for Kevin Love on draft night, which might be the most unfortunate tag any player could ever have with their careers. Because obviously Kevin Love has developed into an all-NBA type player for many years of his career. He's got a championship. And is O.J. Mayo in the league right now? What's like? Do you know the, the latest on O.J. Mayo? Um, I believe he's able to come back starting next season, maybe. He violated some uh, yeah, substance abuse policy. I yeah. believe so. So I, th- I think he was overseas for a couple years. But that I, I think I saw recently a report that he's looking to get back in the league. Man, that was a guy. I think I want to say he might have been a higher ranked recruit than Kevin Durant. I don't know if they're in the same recruiting class. But yeah, no, he I think was in '07, yeah. the number one overall uh, recruit yeah. coming out of high school. Yeah, and I want to say he was actually high school teammates with Patrick Patterson too, which I want to talk about favorite random bench players. Patrick Patterson also up there in terms of just jour- obscure journeymen. But those guys are on a high school team in the middle of West Virginia. Had to have been unbeatable in that state. Had to have been, that I can imagine. But love love the O.J. Mayo pick. Very underrated. Hoopheads Nation, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Grizz and Grind with Elijah Campbell. Be sure to check out these other basketball pods on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, including Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards, and our other three team-focused NBA pods. Cavalier Central, a 305 Culture Miami Heat podcast, and Nuck If You Buck. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, 
featuring some of the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. I'm on the clock here at number eight. Um, oof. So we got Brandon Clark, Mike Miller, Jared Bayless. Hmm. I have an idea of where I want to go. Do I want to go more shooting or do I want to do just a little versatility? All right. So here, so this, this is a little bit of a wild card here um, because he's a little bit of a jackass. But Lance Stevenson, I'll go ahead and take Lance Stevenson, <laughs> the 2015-2016 team, um, was one of the more interesting players that I've seen. And also, like, Lance Stevenson is one of the more interesting players to ever grace the NBA. I think a lot of people can agree on that. He's had definitely a plethora of highs and lows. He fits the mold of a journeyman. Um, he is, I guess, more sideshow than substance at times. But the guy who at one point did lead the league in triple-doubles when he was playing in Indiana. And when he was on Memphis, he fulfilled a role, actually, that I thought he fulfilled pretty well. There's a lot of flaws, obviously, in Lance Stevenson's game in 2015-2016, which I believe was his only year in Memphis. That, but that whole was season was a flaw. That's the whole season for, was. It was crazy. And they made the playoffs. That's the crazy thing is they actually made the playoffs. And I think they, I think uh, when you go to the basketball reference page for that team, they had, what, 11, 12 guys that started uh, at least eight or nine games? It was – I know that was, the, like, the ugliest – what, they had 28, 29 people on their roster. And, yeah, Jordan Farmar starting in the playoffs for you when he'd been sitting on the couch <laughs> somewhere for the entire year. That was just – that wasn't super great. Yeah, that was there. They just got obliterated by injuries, and I mean absolutely obliterated. Um, I got them pulled up right here. There are so many names on this roster. Oh my god, um, there there were at least there were twenty eight players that suited up for the Memphis Grizzlies that year. Some of which include names like Jarnell Stokes, Russ Smith, Jordan Adams, Elliot Williams. Um, Alex Stevenson. I don't know who Alex Stevenson is, uh, to be honest with you. I really don't. I can't even, uh, Stephenson. There's not even an end there. I read it wrong, but that guy played four games for the Memphis Grizzlies that year and they still found a way to make the playoffs, but which is just insane. If you ever just want a, a, a laugh at, or at least look for some random NBA players this year, that year's Memphis Grizzlies team might be your your hub there. It's probably the most interesting Memphis Grizzlies team to ever grace planet Earth. But Lance Stevenson being one of those players, because A, he's Lance Stevenson. We all know the theatrics, blowing in LeBron's ear, uh, doing every, like the notorious trash talker that he is, uh, one and done guy from Cincinnati. But that year, he actually scored about 14 points per game on 26 minutes, or during for 26 minutes per game. He's scoring about 14 points a game. Um, which is incredible. And per 36, he was putting up 19-6-3, which is getting closer to Indiana-esque Lance Stevenson, which we can all agree was peak Lance Stevenson. He was second on the team in field goal attempts per 36. He hoisted up a lot of shots. Um, he was putting up about 16 per 36, um, with Zach Randolph being the highest at only 16.2, so he's close. One of the highest PER seasons of Lance Stevenson, which was also a little surprising to me. He was at a 17, which is pretty solid, especially for a guard or a kind of a guard forward combo that he is. Um, shot 63.9% on baskets within three feet of the rim. Solid, right? But here's my favorite Lance Stevenson uh, stat. Between three and 10 feet of the rim, 
he shot 31.7%, which is atrocious for a guy that loves to take uh, mid-range pull-up jumpers. Couldn't hit any of them, but I have him for his defense. He was still a solid defensive player. He was still a reliable scorer. Uh, I'm about to be digging into guys later in this draft that aren't going to be getting a lot of shots up. They're not high shot quality taking guys. Lance Stevenson at least finishes well enough around the rim. It isn't scared of a shot. That doesn't really see a lot of shots he doesn't like. So I want to get a little crazy here. The whole point of this was to get a little crazy. So I want to get a little crazy by leaning towards Lance Stevenson right here. You got to have a little personality on your team. And I think that you're accomplishing that by, uh, by picking him up. Guy's the comic relief. He's the comic relief of every team he's been on. And I think if there's any better way to uh, to exemplify that, last year's Lakers team wasn't very good, uh, but they were funny because Lance Stevenson's just a goofball, one of the NBA's greatest goofballs. Yeah, can't, can't go wrong with uh, if you're looking for good entertainment value. That's right. And what's the NBA without a little good entertainment value? That's true. They got to get their there's ratings some- up, you know, whatever it takes. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, always all the ratings are always scrutinized, but Lance Stevenson is definitely one of those uh, polarizing guys. Also, a sneaky six six. Didn't realize he was six six. I was thinking he was a little shorter, but sneaky six six. So, so right now my team is looking like going into our last two picks of our starting lineup. Well, I'll give us some room for a sentimental pick at the end too, because I definitely have uh, a sentimental pick that I have in mind. It's incredibly goofy. And it's the best nickname of anyone to ever grace. One of my favorite nicknames in the NBA of all time. But as of right now, you have at the one, you have two point guards with Kyle Lowry and Tyus Jones running the Billy Donovan multi point guard system here. Um, you also have OJ Mayo as your swing man that on the wing, and then Zach Randolph down at the four. So where are you leaning here for your bench Grizzlies center? All right, so I do need some rim protection. That's a great point. And do I not also... go with Sheem Thabit, please. <laughs> no, <laughs> someone was going to do it. I knew someone was going to do it. Someone's going to say Sheem Thabit. No, he's he's ah. not worthy of being being picked for this. I've mentioned his name about five times already. And that's probably <laughs> five times more than any any mention of Sheem Thabit probably should be on any Memphis Grizzlies podcast of any kind. Just the the way that Memphis fans can comfort themselves is that if the B was not selected, then there's a a chance at least that the cards would not have fallen correctly, and John Morant wouldn't currently be on the Grizzlies because maybe we would have outperformed some other <laughs> year. So that that's the silver lining that I'm always looking at. That's the that's a good way to look at it, though the the uh, the unknown variable of fate falling into place, and maybe if you actually hit on that pick. Then you don't have you don't have John Moran. We're having a lot of fun right now with John Moran, so why not? You know. All right, so I got to. I need to add in my front court. I'm going to go to 2003, 2004 Ooh. with the Stro Show, Stro Miles Swift. Oh man, the oh, second that was who I was looking second at. Yep. overall pick in 2000, just behind Kenyon Martin, only behind him. Uh, had a 99 what defensive rating. Draft. Uh, just a guy who can leap like crazy, fantastic blocks, you know, high flyer. I need some athleticism down there. You got Brandon Clark, so I'm going to have to go yeah. with, get Stroh show to maybe he, maybe he'll be matched up with BC. I don't know. 
Yeah, dude, that was one of my favorite players growing up, one of my favorite Grizzlies players, because he was so freakishly athletic. I mean, how much basketball skill he actually had, it really wasn't much, but I mean, he was so much fun to watch. And that one year, 2003-2004, the one you're alluding to, I mean, per 36 minutes, this guy's grabbing nine rebounds and scoring 17 points on 53% true shooting, and he's grabbing about 10% of your misses. Um, and incredibly underrated defensively on paper, too. I mean, per 36 minutes, he's giving you 4.1 blocks plus steals um, during that time frame, and that's huge. I mean, defensively, he actually brought those Grizzlies teams a lot. They weren't very good Grizzlies teams. They were young. They were kind of exciting. And he's an interesting, like, just a microcosm of what a lot of those early 2000s Grizzlies teams were, um, especially the Hubie Brown coach teams, that they were just really young um, a little inexperienced, but there was a lot of promise there, and eventually there was a lot of you know dispersing going on. But I love the Stromile Swift pick um, for sure, and that was who I had marked because um, I'm going to need a center unless I want to play Brandon Clark at center. This is where it gets a little tricky. Um, so at ten right now, I'll go ahead and think out loud. I'm looking at um. Oh, no, not Austin Day. I am looking at Hakeem Warwick. He was not a center, but he's a big man. I'm playing some, I could go some positionless basketball here. Um, the one year in in question, the 2008-2009 season, he was about a 17-7 and guy per 36 minutes on 54% true shooting. Had a 31-8 game that year in a losing effort against the Sixers. Hakeem Warwick, also incredible college player, who's made one of my favorite college basketball plays of all time with a game-winning block in that national championship game, he's up there. If I want to go bigger as in like a more classical big man, John Luer and Costa Kufis are the two goofiest looking guys on this list, but they're also solid Costa Kufis who I like to um, nickname grit and grind out in Greece um, because the guy kind of embodies the grit and grind uh, mindset played 81 games in 2014, 2015 um, and just chugged along, guy. Just did his job. Is a real was a really good rebounder. Was an 11-11 um, player per 36 uh, minutes, and was giving you about 2.4 blocks. But then it leaves me the question: Do I the ethical question of do I really want to play a lineup with Costa Kufis at the five? It's going to be a no. Um, but I'm going to go here, and I'm going to keep it local. I'm actually out here in Murfreesboro, so I'm about what a 15-20 minute drive from Nashville. We're going to go Brandon Wright, uh, and I'm going to oh, go with, yeah. I'm going with 2017-2018 Brandon Wright, the uh, the pride of Brentwood Academy in Nashville. Um, I've had Brent, we've had Brandon Wright on our radio show here in Nashville, ESPN Nashville, uh, 102.5 The Game a couple times during the offseason, and awesome dude, nice guy, was one of the best, if, if not the best high school basketball player I ever got to see in person. Uh, growing up, one and done. North Carolina was a lottery pick, uh, an NBA journeyman, but a very underappreciated NBA journeyman. A lot of the metrics really liked Brandon Wright, um, not because he did a ton while he was in the game, but he never cost you a lot. He wasn't missing a lot of shots. He wasn't taking shots that he couldn't hit. He was an incredibly reliable rebounder. He was a suitable defensive player, a decent rim protector, didn't foul a lot. That's why stats like PER love him. In 2017-18, he had a PER of 19.3 and wow. was averaging about 13 points and 9 rebounds per 36 minutes that year. 
I, th- I think didn't one underrated thing about him is that he he didn't have to block shots to still make an impact mm-hmm. around the rim. He did a lot of altering shots, and he he really he played his role very well. You know, coming off the bench and helping out the Grizzlies. Uh, that definitely I overlooked him when looking up names. So that that's a good one right there. Yeah, actually, I had him on my list almost twice because I'm trying to pick which year I wanted him. Um, but I. I Love Brandon Wright because of the local connection, and because I did get to kind of watch him, uh, watch him play in high school around this area, and he, he was a, a solid player and played on a lot of really good teams. I mean, the guy is a was an NBA journeyman, but got to play on a lot of interesting teams. He has played for one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight different teams, um, spanning the course of what looks like about ten seasons. Played about ten seasons, played on eight different teams, but he's your typical journeyman, and never really a never averaged more than ten points a game in his career, but has always been a, a solid guy. I mean, he's he's uh, had some seasons like this one where me, uh, the metrics say that he had a pretty solid, pretty solid year. Um, and I remember one year specifically, my main Brandon Wright memory, which in the NBA. Um, is him shutting down Dwight Howard and the Mavericks on opening night, the year Dwight Howard played for the Lakers. And they had Steve Nash, Kobe Bryant, Dwight Howard, the year that was supposed to be a lot of fun, according to Sports Illustrated, and turned out to be a, a total crap show. Um, came in there defensively, and they held that Lakers team to 91 points that night. Awful night. And Brandon Wright was a disruptor on defense. And I like what you said, though. And that's one of my favorite things um, about guys that are really good rim protectors is you don't have to block a ton of shots to alter a shot. I like how you hit on that there because that's one of my favorite things. It's like it's hard to determine how great of a rim protector um, a player is because of just blocking shots. There's more to it than just blocking shots. you got to be able to alter the shot, uh, which is why um, guys like Hassan Whiteside, who may get a lot of blocks, aren't great defenders because he does kind of get a lot of blocks that I call lazy blocks where he gets kind of beat off the dribble and is able to at least recover because he has so much length. But I'd rather have someone who's at least altering more shots per game rather than getting a hand on him. So I'm going to go Brandon Wright 10. And now, since we have a little bit of time, I'll go ahead and ask you for a sentimental pick. You'll get a six-man, and you can get as wild with this one as you want. I have a couple here in my bag that I don't plan on uh, – uh, that I didn't plan on using, but I have one in my, one in mind. So I'll go ahead and let you start. What sentimental bench player are you going to put on your team of Grizzlies bench players? I don't even know if this is necessarily a wild pick because he is a good player, but one that I always thought was he's a real cerebral guy. He loves uh, analytics. He is a very big proponent of them to this day. Um, he is a guy who... He's not putting up a ton of counting stats for you, but if you look at his on-off or you just know basketball, you know that when this guy's on the court, your team is better for it. So mm-hmm. I picked up Strosho in 3 4 I'm going to go with his teammate off the bench, a 25-year-old Shane Battier. Oh, nice. Okay, I like it. Yeah, Shane Battier definitely fits. I remember looking at that year. Wasn't one of his better years in terms of, I guess, percentages, but that's honestly one of the smartest players to ever play the game of basketball. Yeah, I mean, he can do a little bit of everything, too. Decent, you know, decent outside shooter, can also get to the rim, super intelligent defender, which has allowed him to guard a lot of people who are 
you know, just extremely more athletic than him. I think one of his, uh, in, in some interview somewhere or another, it's uh, he talks about how he had to guard Kobe, and he's you know he's getting to- toasted by Kobe because you know everyone did, but he picked up on some little tell like a poker player would, and he noticed when Kobe made that move or that gave that tell he was going to make a particular move and Badier was then able to beat him to it and just increase his level of defense and he he kind of took that method throughout the rest of his career and it really paid dividends for him. Yeah, I love love Shane Badier's career and the the player that he was. I mean, you think about it, you know, went to college at Duke, played on a national championship team, played on other really good teams there at Duke as well and comes to the NBA and he is such a sucker for detail. He has such a great attention to detail. And in those interactions or, you know, those battles with guys like Kobe Bryant, I mean, he knows every move they're going to do. And he's able to, even if he's getting cooked by Kobe, he's going to give Kobe the toughest night of his career, you know, night in, night out. He's, he's going to make them earn every bucket. And that's one thing you love about guys like Shane Battier is sometimes in the NBA, you're going to guard guys that are just going to score over you, whether it be Kobe Bryant, Kevin Durant, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, as we saw in the finals. Sometimes guys are just really damn good, and there's not much you can do to stop them. But if you can make their life hell, and you can make it a little harder than what it was before, then you're you're, you're playing defense, and that's uh, that's one thing a lot of people, I guess, don't don't recognize when watching a lot of these games. And Shane Battier made a lot of guys' lives hell on the other end of the ball, on the other side of the ball. Because he was, uh, like you said, such a sucker for detail and paid so much attention to the more minute things in basketball. Very cerebral player. I think that was a good word that you used. That's uh, that's probably a spot on. And if you can really only have one word to um, to describe Shane Battier, I would say that's it. I've always, always really liked his career. So Shane Battier coming off your bench is really, really good. I could go... At 12, one of the, the options I, I, I had was Troy Daniels, just for more shooting. Troy Daniels didn't play a lot, but was almost a 40% shooter in a Grizzlies uniform. I like Troy Daniels just because he is a great shooter, and that's all he really does. There's really no other redeeming quality about his game. I got to give my last pick to the guy with the best nickname in the, in the NBA, the custodian, the janitor. Brian Cardinal, the guy who's got a title. He didn't do much to earn that title, yes. but he was on a championship team. I got to give it to my man, Brian Cardinal, one of my favorite players in the NBA and NBA history because he was so goofy. He's just this big, white, bald guy who's out here taking charges, playing decent defense, a lot of hustle, great corner three-point shooter, a sneaky good corner three-point shooter. So he's somewhat analytically sound in that department. If I'm going to have a P.J. Tucker, my P.J. Tucker on this team – is going to be the custodian slash the janitor. I don't know. I can't remember which one it, it was. I remember calling him both through the day. Um, but the custodian, the janitor, the one, the only, Brian Cardinal is going to round out round out the team. Nice. I like that pickup. Cardinal gave the, all of us hope out there that we could be basketball players, even though he clearly he had a lot of hype and some skill somewhere in there that we did not have <laughs> somewhere. I mean, I remember yeah watching the NBA finals as a 15 year old, goofy, skinny, tall, white kid myself and being like, you know what? I can take some charges. I could hit the occasional corner three. Surely I can too, but I'm also six, four, not what six, nine, six, 10, like he was. Um, so it was a little, uh, my hope there was a, a little misguided, but, Analytically, he was a, a, a 
fitting player. You you could you could throw him in um, in certain situations, but always always liked watching Brian Cardinal play just because he is the goofiest looking guy out there, and he's got he's got the best nickname in the game. So my team as as we round it out, I will have I'll go I'll go in a order of old school traditionalist um, traditionalist positions here. I will go my my point guard here is oh this is so jacked up um yeah I went Jared Bayless Jared Bayless at the point at the one at the two Lance Stevenson no no Mike Miller yeah Mike Miller at the two Lance Stevenson at the three Brandon Clark at the four and Brandon Wright at the five my my twin tower Brandons at the four and five in my front court. Um, we'll round out my squad. You got the the Billy Donovan two-point guard system here with Kyle Lowry and Tyus Jones. At the three, O.J. Mayo. At the four, Zach Randolph. And at the five, the Stro Show, Stro Miles Swift, LSU's finest. And then off the bench, you got Shane Battier. I will, I will employ Brian, uh, Brian Cardinal. So an interesting pair, interesting pair of teams here. And it's nice to go down memory lane and get to talk about some Grizzlies that... We haven't got to talk about in a while. When was the last time you think you got to have an honest discussion about Stromile Swift's career? Man, I I, I can't imagine <laughs> the last time that he came up in a conversation, uh, unless it's specifically talking about nostalgia. So I'm glad that we were able to break it down like this. And if you had to pick uniforms for your team, which Grizzlies uniforms are you going with? There's... This is tough. This is really tough. I love the Vancouver one specifically. Like we're talking big country, Bryant Reeves, like Vancouver Grizzlies, the teal, everything, the the markings on the collar. Like I think that's the one I would have to go with. If we're digging into Grizzlies history, those are the best ones they've ever had. And I've actually been tickled pink that they brought those out and wore those for a couple games this year. I think for me, I, I really like the black ones that they're going to wear next season. Okay, the, the ones the, like so we're talking like early two thousands Grizzlies. Yeah, like yeah, exactly. Like I can literally picture in my head Stromile Stri- Swift wearing that uniform. Uh huh. Like, and I really like those. Yeah, being coached by Hubie Brown. I yeah, I definitely can. Yeah, I can picture that in my head. And those were solid too. Um, I grew up playing NBA Two K Three, first video game I ever owned. Got me into basketball, and that's all they wore. So, like, and when I think Memphis Grizzlies, that's usually those are the first teams that I think of right there. And Stromile Swift rocking those black ones is uh is good. That's that, that's tough. They've had a uh, that's back when they played in the pyramid too. That's the uh, the best thing. And honestly, when you go on what if sports two, if you create these teams like I'm about to do, uh, you can pick where they play. Unfortunately, the FedEx form is not an option, but they do have the pyramid. So the art is formerly known as the uh, or the pyramid, which is now a a Bass Pro Shop um, is an option for uh, games to be played there. But, Zach, thank you uh, for joining the show. I really appreciate it, man. And tell everyone that's listening right now where they can find your work. Yeah, you can find uh, my work on the Lead Sports Media and also the-barnburner.com and also on the Backdoor Cut Show podcast. And you can find me on Twitter at BarnburnerBro. Uh, Elijah, thanks for having me on. I really enjoyed Enjoy this exercise, uh, kind of get the old grizzly gears going again, and, uh, you know, uh-huh. hope, hope you have a good rest of your week. 
Yeah, absolutely. You too, man. I look forward to talking to you later in the future as well. Maybe once the season starts picking up again, whenever that may be, late December, January, whenever the NBA decides, or whenever we get closer to draft time, we can uh, we can go ahead and uh, meet back up and do it again. Absolutely. You guys have been listening to the Grizz and Grind podcast here on the Hoopheads Podcast Network. If you have an existing podcast or are looking to launch your own pod but aren't sure where to start, the team at My Podcast Manager can help. Our podcast team works behind the scenes so you can do what you do best. We'll help you launch your podcast, make it sound great, and free up your time for the more enjoyable parts of podcasting. If you're ready to put your podcast editing, production, and promotion on autopilot with a trusted team of podcasting professionals, visit MyPodcastManager.com to get started. Thank you for listening to the Grizz and Grind podcast here on the Hoopheads Podcast Network. This is Elijah Campbell saying so long, and we hope to have you back again soon for more of the best Grizzlies talk east of the Mississippi. We'll see you around.